shame what this town's come to. You could do something about it. What? We're freighters. Ralph here's a shopkeeper. You're men, ain't you? I didn't raise my boys just to see him killed. Well, you may not know this, but there's uh, things that gnaw out a man worse than dying. And welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from a movie called Open Range. You know what? Uh, it's a shame what's happened to this town. Well, you can do something about it. Yeah, but we're uh, freighters and uh, and shopkeepers. You're men, aren't you? You know what? There's a, there's some things that not a man that are uh, a lot worse than dying. And you know what? I think it's coming to that in this country. And uh, well, tw- as we'll talk about. Uh, throughout the show today and then that song was uh frank stallone uh sly's brother uh from the movie staying alive far from over because believe me hey trump may be down but he is far from over and it's up to us it's up to us to uh to keep this fight going because what we're seeing is not right and i'll and i'll back that up with uh with some actual stuff that we uh have learned this week that maybe you're maybe or maybe not you've seen uh so anyway but before i go on let me introduce myself my name's ed hoffman with summit funding if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 day or night toll free area code 855-640-2020 um there are fantastic opportunities because the interest rates are low Low, uh, low interest rates means uh, lower your payment, shorten your term on your current houses that you own, means uh, you can afford a bigger house if you're looking to piece, uh, buy a piece of property that you don't already own. And if you're over 62 looking for looking into that uh, fantastic uh, financing tool called a reverse mortgage, lower rates mean you get more money out of your house and you never have to make payments if you don't want to. So uh, so call me 855-640-2020 if you want to learn learn more about that. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're at work or you're around friends, you don't want to talk about your personal stuff, or maybe you just want to stick your toe in the water and just see what kind of initial reactions you get, uh, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and uh, fill in the fill in all the information that you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, uh, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Brian Goodman, Lance Keisha or Vlad Kinzer, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Some of you may be wondering about uh, about some of my uh, teammates' names change along the way. Hey, you hear these names, and then all of a sudden somebody falls off, somebody goes on. I uh, I bring these people on my team, and uh, and teach them teach them 
in a in a high volume, high intensity environment because I've been doing this for 31 years. And now we're uh, and then at some point they graduate and they move off into uh, uh, not being on my team. They're still working with the company, but they're uh, they just graduate. So hence, if you're ever asking, wondering about that, if you want to hear any part of the show repeated, you can also go to edhoffman.net and go to the podcast page. You can hear this show as well. Well, several past shows and uh, or you can get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can uh, subscribe for free, have it automatically download on Fridays, the day before it goes on the radio. Uh, we record on Fridays and we upload uh, sometime in the afternoon and then it'll uh, download to your uh, your computer or your iPhone or your iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, anything you can listen to podcasts on and uh, you can listen to it on demand. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman. Follow me on Parlor uh, at Big Ed Hoffman. And uh, also uh, the Facebook page for the main event is facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. And lastly, if you want to leave any comments on the show, email me at ed at edhoffman.net, ed at edhoffman.net. All right. So uh, also uh, on the show with me this week uh, to help uh, help uh, a pit opine on what's uh, what's happening in this uh, in this thing that we're seeing this uh, fight for America, I'll call it, is uh, Mr. Scott McPhee, uh, owner of uh, Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands, uh, my my regular uh, sidekick. Scotty, welcome back. Ed, great to be back in the house, man. All right, so uh, so you had you had an experience this past weekend called the Million Mega March, and uh, I know it was a last minute thing for you. You you called me and said, "Hey, we have a we're we're thinking about going, and it's supposed to have a White House tour. Uh, do you want to? I know it's last minute. Do you want to make it?" And my wife is just not a last minute uh, spur of the moment get on a plane and go to the other side of the country, uh, so we didn't make it, but. We saw you on TV. So tell, tell us a little bit about the Million Mega March that we may not have seen on TV. Yeah. So, you know, I got a text, I think it was like Wednesday from someone asking if I wanted to go to this event. And, you know, it's Wednesday. I'm thinking, well, that means I got to fly out Friday. Certainly not convenient. I had a million things to do. But I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought, you know what, if not me, then who? And if not now, then when? And I thought also a lot about the burden that is on this president right now. I mean, I feel like there's so much coming down on this guy. And, it, and that's been the case for the last four years. But it's almost like it's, it's almost too much to ask of any one person to do this all alone. And I realize he's got staff and whatnot, but but when you think about the forces, I'll call them the forces of evil, because that's about what it is at this point. They're forces of evil. You know, when you look at the power of the left, when you look at tech, when you look at the media, when you look at academia, you look at Hollywood, all these forces they're ganging up on this poor guy. And and I do say that, you know, the left is is the 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 party of evil. I mean, it's the party of anarchy and violence, third trimester abortions, defunding police departments, censorship. It almost, I don't mean to be dramatic, but it's kind of like this good versus evil point that I find our country in at this point. And I thought, you know, yes, it's not convenient to go, but, and not to be dramatic, but it's almost like this could be our last stand. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, and it's kind of like, exactly what's at stake? Everything, everything. So, so I felt like I should go. And, and I'm really glad I did. And it's it's interesting when you when you're there and then you hear about what's being reported. For example, uh, somebody said, yeah, there's supposedly hundreds of people there. Yeah, hundreds of people. Right. Uh, try hundreds of thousands, Ed. And when I first got there and we, we kind of started this this place called Freedom Plaza, that's where people were sort of gathering. And and it's like, OK, there's there's quite a few people. Here, but it's like you kept seeing coming and coming 
and coming and caravans arriving. And it's like, okay, this is like shaping up to be a pretty big deal. And I don't even know what the final numbers were. The, the thing about being there, it's hard to like look around and go, yeah, this is a hundred thousand or this is a comment. It's hard to like gauge how many people are actually there because it's just so damn big. I heard but, estimates between uh, 300,000 and 500,000. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I mean, it was more people than you could count. That's for sure. So we ended up, we met at Freedom Plaza. We ended up marching to the Supreme Court. And I will say there's something inherently powerful about being surrounded by tons of like-minded people. The atmosphere, even though it's kind of, you could argue, you know, dark for, for our side right now, but the atmosphere was festive. People were smiling, having a good time. Nobody was wearing a freaking mask, by the way. I don't even know if I should say that, but it's just true. People were like, you know, we're done with these masks. Nobody's wearing masks. There was no social distancing to speak up. It was just a whole bunch of people coming together and having a good time and, and ultimately showing support for the president. One of the things that did happen also is that Trump did drive by in his motorcade, so he didn't stop to speak, and there was some questions about whether Trump would speak or not. But he, anyways, he, he drove by, he rolled down the window and gave everybody the thumbs up. That was pretty cool. So obviously he was aware of us being there, and I thought that was important. I think that Trump does get uh, strength, if you will, from his rallies or from uh, shows of, spontaneous shows of support like this one. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, there are some things that I think are worth mentioning that people probably don't know about this event. Number one, it was put together on five days notice, like five days. They put this thing together. Uh, and that's in spite of a lot of things going against them. For example, they apparently had a Facebook page. That's one of the ways they were getting it. Facebook deleted their page. OK, Eventbrite, they had this posted on Eventbrite. And Eventbrite not only canceled their event, but they sent out an email to everybody telling them that the event had been canceled. So, so much for Eventbrite, those people who, and I'm not using Eventbrite ever again, by the way, MailChimp, who they were using for their email service, canceled their mail service. So MailChimp is one of the worst, maybe the worst, when it comes to emailing services. I would encourage everybody to cancel MailChimp at this point. Um, but the point is we we got together, we, we marched, probably about an hour march, ended up at the Supreme Court. Uh, there were some great speakers, including Louis Gomer, uh, Sebastian Gorka was there, Mike Lindell from My Pillow was there. Uh, a lot of great speakers, a lot of great energy, and uh, just a really good time, Ed. Yeah, it's uh, it looked like a good time, and you know uh, I've been to the uh, Trump rallies, and uh, you and I went to the inauguration, and uh, we got to go in the in the uh, in the Pussy Hat rally the ne the next day, and and watch what was going on there. There is there is power and energy from the from the numbers and. And when you mentioned that it was put together in five days, that is amazing that people make make plans to go cross country uh, for a short period of time. I know I didn't I opted not to do it um, just because of the uh, just because of I'm just too overwhelmed to to make a make a turn on a dime like that. And uh, and but there was enough people in this country that. That um, they felt this was important enough and intense enough and an emergency enough that they got on planes and they got in their cars and they drove. Cause I know if, if we say, Hey, I can't get a plane ticket or I can't afford a plane ticket. It's a three day drive from California to, to Washington DC. I would, I would imagine I, it may be even a four day drive. Uh, yeah. And my understanding, there were some caravans that actually drove from California out there from all over the country. The cool thing was you do meet people from all over the country. Mm -hmm. And I got a kind of a kick out of asking people, you know, where are you from? And you'd hear Florida and you'd hear Indiana and you'd hear, you know, Alabama and you'd hear all, all over the place. And then, of course, they'd ask me, well, where are you from? And I'd tell them California, like, oh, they're like, it's a big deal, you know, for, <laughs> for yeah, you to be because... from California. 
Yeah, because okay. not not just because of the distance, but because we're all Democrats. Right, right. They're like, there's like, I don't know if they're sympathy, they feel sympathy for us or what. It's but it's funny seeing their reaction, like, oh my gosh, really? Wow, it's like a big deal. It's like a big deal. Yeah, when um, we drove when we drove our road trip, I would when people would ask and say, Well, I'm from Southern California, I said, I'm I'm one of the five, one of the five Republicans in Southern California. Right, right. Um, so, so tell us about the uh, we saw we saw the violence and I know you were sending me pictures and I was texting you and say, hey, are you seeing any violence or anything? Because um, towards the end of the day, we were seeing that on TV and uh, some pretty, uh, pretty ugly stuff. Uh, tell us what you saw on the ground. Sure. So when we were walking at night, like at, at the at the event, after after the event had already been um, concluded, I saw groups, probably a couple hundred Antifa BLM types, you know, with their shields looking like there's some kind of gladiators. There was a fairly heavy police presence, um, cops on bikes. And, you know, I'm walking around with my son. I took my son back there. I thought it'd be a great father and son experience. He was really glad he went. He had a good time. And my son kept wanting to go, hey, dad, let's go over there. Let's go over there. I'm like, no, nah, son, I'm not really interested in like walking amongst a bunch of Antifa types and for what, for what purpose, you know? So I didn't see there's any always, violence. There's always got to be one, one, uh, one, uh, uh, one person with common sense in the crowd. Well, well, if yeah. You remember, you know, I mean, if you remember inauguration, let's go get in their faces. <laughs> no, no. You and Don like, come and Marie, on, Santa, Santa There's like no, 500,000 no, of them. And right. let's not engage. No, I want to engage. Right. Go ahead. So, yeah. And I heard I heard reports of the violence and I saw some of the videos. I didn't see that firsthand. Um, what I can tell you, though, is that the next day we kind of walked around some of the monuments. All, all the museums are closed. And by the way, on a side note, D.C. is pretty depressing right now. Not a lot of people there. A lot of things boarded up. It's just one more example of a major city that's just been hammered by COVID lockdowns and just seeing an economy crushed. I know when I talked to the cab driver that took us from the airport to our hotel, he said, yeah, things have been pretty slow. And it's just, it's really depressing. But regarding the violence, I ran into a couple members of the Proud Boys at the Lincoln Memorial. And I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what the Proud Boys are. And I, I remember during the first presidential debate, Mike Wallace, somebody you and I can't stand, uh, brought up the, hey, when do you denounce, do, do you, sir, denounce white supremacy? And, and Trump's kind of like, what, you know, what groups are you talking? Because I scratch my head and go, what groups are you physically talking about specifically that are promoting white supremacy? And they, they throw out the Proud Boys name quite a bit. The Proud Boys are a very multi-ethnic group. The president's a black guy. And the president of the local chapter that I spoke to is actually a Hispanic guy. And what they told me was that they were there basically as bodyguards and protectors when the police don't do their job. They're almost like, you know, like I said, bodyguards for the, for the rest of us when we want to speak or do events or whatnot. What they told me was that there were times where the Antifa types were like barging into hotels, harassing people. Some of the videos you saw, they're throwing stuff at people, throwing bottles at people. And that's the point where the Proud Boys stepped in. And, and Ed, in their words, they said, once we got involved, because we told the cops, this is them telling me, we told the cops, look, you're not doing your jobs. People are getting hurt. We're going to step in. And the cops are kind of like, yeah, whatever. And uh, according to the Proud Boys, what they told me was that by the time they were done, people were either laid out or they were running for their lives. So the the Antifa types might look scary with their black masks and whatnot, but most of them are definitely not trained fighters. Uh, I don't think they'd know what to do in those situations. And and it was it was over pretty quick. And and according to the Proud Boys, they said, look, the good news is what, that none of our people were hospitalized and none of our people were arrested. So that's about as much as I can tell you on the on the violence end of it. But look, Antifa types, they're bullies. The only thing that bullies respond to is force. I hate to say it, but 
but and they got they got a fistful of it over the weekend. So so that's. Yeah, that. I was watching some of the uh, some of the stuff on TV, and I'm watching. I'm just go, and Don's getting upset because she's seeing them just pick on people. And I oh, said, yeah. you know what? If if I, there was a guy and his wife and two kids, I said I would have just I would have just gone straight at him and just pounded him in the face or crush a couple of ribs ribs with them, and they'll just all run away because they they're waiting for you to just just cower and be afraid. And, uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad the proud boys were there. Um, and, uh, you know, I heard, a, I heard an interview, uh, one of the guys in the proud boys say, Hey, we're a drinking club with a Patriot problem. So, you know, we need, we need more, we need more drinking clubs with Patriot problems. Uh, guys that will just say, Hey, screw it. Let's fight. And, uh, maybe they need to be a fighting club with a Patriot problem. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. Anyway, because- so overall, overall a good event, Ed. Yeah. So, you know, typically what Republicans do is, is we have to go to work so we don't fight, but there's a time when you need to fight. There's a time when it's worth fighting for and uh, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. Right. So, so let's Absolutely. talk about, uh, let's talk about what we learned this week about our election and the fight that we're fighting for. So surprise, surprise, more election fraud and tampering was discovered this week as if we didn't expect that, you know, you, you cannot, you can only, you can only, Remember what we experienced Thursday night or Wednesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday, early Wednesday morning. Like I think uh, I think we went to sleep about 1230 a.m. on on Wednesday uh, after Election Day when the six states in question decided to stop their their counting for the night. And uh, and we saw the big leads that, you know, it was and I was kind of frustrated. Hey, they're almost they're almost done counting. Trump is so far ahead. Why won't they call North, uh, North Carolina? Why won't they call Pennsylvania? Why won't they call Michigan and Wisconsin? Why won't they call, call Georgia? He was up in all these things and let's call the election. It's done. And, uh, four hours later, uh, I think we went, I get up at, I get up at five 30 in the morning, uh, during the week. So, uh, so, you know, it was 12. It, so it's, so it's five, five hours later, five, four and a half, five hours later after, after I go to sleep, um, I wake up and the first thing I see is all his leads are gone. You know, they're down to nothing or he's actually behind. I go, well, what happened? What happened? And, and we can't forget that. We know this thing is bull. We know, we know that this isn't right. We know it's a, it's a uh, statistical impossibility. It's a, it's a mathematical certainty that there's fraud going on here. We just need to, to keep intense on that and don't listen to the, to what the, uh, the left has said, oh, this can't be done. This can't be done. We need to, uh, we, I guess we need to have faith, faith in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the president's legal team. And although, uh, you know, they're putting Rudy, Rudy in front of the cameras more than they're putting a Jay Sekulow or, uh, or Sidney Powell. And uh, maybe, that's, maybe they should do that and that would instill a little bit more confidence. But um, we know all the best lawyers are on this stuff and, and we, need to, we need to make sure it's, it's uh, that we're behind it. And uh, when it comes time to, to support something, cancel your plans and go do what you need to do. You know, in, in the Georgia recount, first they found 6,000 new ballots were discovered that weren't, that weren't counted. Then election workers in three counties discovered a total of more than 3,300 new votes stored on a, a memory, memory cards that hadn't been located in, hadn't been loaded in the election computers. A different issue in Floyd County led to another 2,600 ballots coming uh going unscanned and the majority of these things were were uh were uh 
majority Trump Trump votes. Those votes are now being counted, reducing uh, Biden's lead. Uh, I think when we went to uh, when before the recount started, he was 13,000, 13,500 uh, votes uh, ahead. Now he's down to about 12,000 votes. But it's isn't it supposed to be done by today? They're recounting the whole yeah. state. So it's supposed to be done. It's supposed to be done uh, by by uh, by today. We're recording on Fridays. You're listening tomorrow unless you're listening to the podcast on Friday night. So at this moment, it hasn't been they haven't finalized it yet. And I would imagine Friday goes all the way till midnight tonight. So um, and even even when the count comes in, I think there's enough evidence that the count just counting the balance isn't going to be enough. Here's Aaron Perrine of the Trump campaign. This hand recount in Georgia where all of a sudden they have found 2,600 additional votes. That's 2,600 Georgians who almost didn't have their voice heard in the presidential election. This is another step toward us being able to make sure that this is a free and fair election, that we can trust the results. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, uh, hey, let's make sure everybody's voice is heard and let's make sure that some people's uh, voices are heard more often than other people's or, uh, you know, and you, and you remember the pre-election in the mail-in ballots, how many people were, how many times they're finding, uh, you know, cases of votes just discarded, uh, you know, outside uh, postal workers' houses and in ditches and in, seeing them in the back of trucks. So, you know, you knew that, that, that this was slimy from the beginning. Um, in Michigan, Biden now leads Trump by 150,000 votes. But remember, it was the exact opposite. It was he was behind Trump on election night before a mass quantity of mail-in votes showed up. Uh, Breitbart says there have been various claims of irregularities in Michigan, particularly in Detroit. Some of those date back to August uh, to the August primary election. One eyewitness said that as many as twenty thousand unverified absentee votes were counted during the primary. And I heard and I heard somebody say counting during the uh, that one of the ballot observers mentioned that they were also uh, uh, they also had um, uh, had them do a verbal count on a big batch of uh, of mail-in ballots. And there was like 40,000 counted all Biden. No, they Biden, 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 40,000 times. And uh, and they counted counted those. How do you have 40,000 votes and not one go to Trump? Okay, Common sorry. sense prohibits us from buying that. Well, like you said, and statistically, this stuff is impossible. It's, it's absolutely impossible. And it's kind of like, look, uh, here's my advice to the left. If you're going to cheat, at least make it look like you might maybe throw in like half a dozen Trump votes just to make it look good instead of like every single vote going to Biden. It's so obvious. And it looks like, you know, you wonder, OK, is this is this cheating going on on a micro level where you just have people throwing out ballots and showing up with a couple of trunk loads? Or is it, you know, systematic where we're talking computer systems that are being manipulated? It's probably a bit of both. but you know, you combine all of that together, and yeah, it's in this case, it's been enough to swing an election. And the the tough thing is, how do you how do you prevent this from happening? How do you prove that it's happened? It, because if you don't, then every election going forward is is just BS. And on those forty thousand votes they did verbally, they had no, no votes on the down ballot. So you had the president. They took a ballot, they checked Biden, and they put it in. And they didn't they didn't vote on propositions. They didn't vote on on Congress people. You know, every every single ballot has a congressperson because every con uh, uh, congressperson has to has to run every two years. So there's no ballots without Congress people. And you say, hey, these people voted for Biden. They didn't vote for anybody else. They didn't vote for any. They didn't think it was important to protect the House. And of course, all these states, 
all the Republicans got reelected and we turn overturned uh, somewhere between eight and 12, probably uh, Democrat seats and how, and all these people didn't even care about anything, but you know, everybody just went overwhelmingly for Biden. I just don't buy it. No, it doesn't make any sense. And why would they vote, you know, uh, for a congressperson who's a Republican, not vote for the president? You know, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. There's too many things that don't add up here. And, and now it's again, now it's up to Julian. It's up to his team to prove this, hopefully. But the clock's ticking, Ed. We were talking about yeah. that off the air. The clock is ticking. Exactly. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they're flexible on that clock because it's important this time. Anyway, we have a whole bunch more on Michigan. We could do a whole show. Uh, we could do six weeks of shows, one whole show on Michigan, one whole show on Pennsylvania. But we're going to talk about Michigan primarily today, but we have to go to a break. So stay tuned for, for uh, five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials. And we'll be back with all kinds of stuff you probably haven't heard about Michigan. This is the end. You made your choice and now my chance is over. I thought I was in. You put me Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance on my uh, radio show because uh, most of you think it's boring unless you're in the market for it. And then you're real interested, but then I can't talk about it in one show and take care of everybody. So if you are interested, if you're wondering if you're in the market, if it's a good time to uh, re-examine, re-examine some of your uh, financing options or uh, you know what interest rate you have on your house, what your uh, future plans are, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk on the phone, edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo. So at the first half, in case uh, to pick up where we left off in the middle of Michigan, we're talking about the fraud that's going on in Michigan. We talked about, oh, and before I get into this, uh, breaking news, I said uh, we didn't know what the – uh, apparently, Georgia just certified the uh, uh, certified Biden as the winner in Georgia, which does not mean the end. This is not this is not over yet. That just means that they certified it. That based on what they counted is uh, that he's the winner of Georgia. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of things to deal with, and we're going to talk about that even more because I always say, hey, if it's happening to me, it's probably happening to everybody else. It may not have happened to you yet, but it's going to happen to you at some point. And, uh, and that's how, you know, as I've run my business and I'm training loan officers and teaching people in the, in the mortgage industry, Hey, if I'm running into this problem, everyone else is running into it and they may have run in it, into it before I did or after, but it's, it's happening to all of us. It's just happening to me faster because I'm doing uh, more volume. So, uh, so if it's happening in Michigan, it's happening in Georgia, it's happening in North Carolina, it's happening in Pennsylvania. Michigan and uh, and uh, Wisconsin as well. So uh, so we talked talked about what's going on in Michigan. So uh, to continue, there was two brave Republicans on the Wayne County Board of Canvassers voted not to certify the election results, which deadlocked the board. That was uh, Tuesday night, I think. Um, Tuesday night, I think it was. Whatever it was, if it's Tuesday or Wednesday. One of them was Monica Palmer, who said, based on what I saw and went through in the poll books in this canvas. I believe we do not have a complete and accurate information on these poll books. At that point, Gretchen Whitmer, the, the psychopath governor of Michigan, uh, and her minions started bullying and doxing and threatening both Palmer and the other Republican, William Hartman. 
So they both rescinded their votes Tuesday night. Having your family threatened will do that. Uh, Wednesday, both of them signed an affidavit citing intense bullying and coercion for their decision. Uh, so they rescinded their their rescission. So they say, first they say, I'm not certifying. I'm not signing as certification. Then they get, then they get bullied by, uh, by Whitmer and her team. And then they go, okay, we'll certify. And then the next morning they say, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm rescinding that. And because, you know, their conscience got to them. Um, President Trump called, uh, called Monica Palmer Tuesday night. Then the Washington, Washington Post ran a story that made it sound like Trump pressured her to continue deadlocking the vote, which he did not. Um, I, didn't, I did receive a call from President Trump, Palmer said. He was checking to make sure I was safe after hearing that threats and doxing had occurred. It was not pressure. It was genuine concern for my safety. So uh, that same night, um, I put out a, I put out a uh, post on Parler and said, hey, wait a minute, let's think about this. So these guys voted not, not to certify based on what they saw. Then the upper levels of the Michigan government put pressure on them, threatened them. And all of a sudden the, until they, you know, Hey, if you don't, if you don't change your vote, we're going to, you're going to wind up dead. You know, you suiciding yourself with a shot in the back of the head, or we're going to burn your house down, or we're going to ban you from whatever. And all of a sudden they're, they got them to change their vote. What's peculiar to me is how the left always compares Trump to Hitler. And this is the kind of stuff that would happen in under Hitler or dis dictatorship, communist China, the Soviet Union. Uh, that doesn't sound like America to me, and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Scotty? No, absolutely. I know when I when I heard about this, my stomach, my stomach, I get sick to my stomach, Ed, when I hear about these sorts of things. And they're becoming more and more frequent. You have people losing their jobs because of how they vote. You have people being harassed for speaking out and businesses being being trashed for this sort of thing. And I think what the left has learned is these tactics actually work. Right. They worked. I mean, in this case, they would have changed a couple of a couple of crucial decisions on these of, on these two individuals. But thank God they had the, the guts to stand up because what's at stake at everything. But I can understand how somebody would cave under that kind of pressure. I mean, it's one thing when you're threatened, your business is being uh, trashed, but it's another when your family's being threatened, your children. I, I can understand completely why they would cave to that kind of pressure. And all I can say is props to those people. They are American heroes for standing up and doing the right thing. Absolutely. And this is, uh, and, and we're going to see a lot of American heroes. We think about the, my nine 11, the tribute and, and when Giuliani says, Hey, we'll never know all the heroes. We know that the first responders that ran in firemen and police, that they were heroes, but we don't know all the little heroes, the people that let the younger people get on the elevator. Cause the possibility of dying, you know, Hey, they've got a lot more life in front of them than the older people do. And all, all the little heroes. And these are the little things, the little things, uh, that we don't think about. We think about the military going to fight for us and all the people that have died in our military over the years to fight for our freedom. We're letting the Democrats steal it from us right now if we don't stand up. So, Agreed. And the only, the only thing I would add to that as well is that everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. If we all do something, if we all stand up collectively, then they back down. But it, it requires people to protect these individuals. It requires people to speak out, to not be afraid because everything's at stake. And I know you and I were talking a little bit off the air as well. It's not even about us, Ed. It's about our children and it's about their future as well. Exactly. And our grandchildren. And, you know, when this when it comes down to it, if if Biden gets in there and we lose the House and we lose the we lose the Senate and all this stuff never gets fixed. We're fine. 
I mean, I'll probably move out of California. I have, uh, I have properties in Arizona. I'm going to buy a property in Montana. Um, I've got, uh, I've got, I've got plenty of money and plenty of resources. And I know you do. And a lot of us Republicans uh, have set ourselves up and we're going to go on we're going to keep working and we're going to and we're going to take advantage of the opportunities when when Biden's economic policies make make uh, cause people to lose their houses lose their businesses bankruptcies foreclosures and we're going to swoop in and take advantage of that um you know a couple of months ago i said hey you know what i'm going to tell you that if 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 this country is stupid enough to vote for this guy and doesn't see what's going on uh, I'm trying to warn you against it. I don't want you to do that, but if you do it, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy up some of your houses. I'm going to boot your butts out and I'm going to make money on it. And, uh, Oh, the rich people getting richer. Well, guess what? We're trying to make you see how to get rich. It doesn't include socialism. It doesn't include an electing a, a senile old, old codger that doesn't know which, which way is up. And it doesn't include cheating in an election. So if we allow this to happen, you get what you get. So, so uh, earlier this week, somebody posted a link to a, a deposition of actually a whistleblower named Melissa Carone in Michigan. She worked at the TCF Center. Uh, for those of you who don't know who TCF, it's Twin Cities Financial. They're big in second mortgages right now, um, but they're in. Uh, they're I think they're they're based in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, hence. Twin Cities, but uh, the the TCF centers where they were uh, counting votes on election day and through and throughout the next day, day or days. So Melissa Carone was hired as an IT worker. Um, so Dominion Software Systems, v Dominion uh, Voting Systems, provided the hardware and the software for these uh, voting machines, and she was there to make sure you know tabulators jam. Uh, they're having issues with it. She's not allowed to touch any of the hardware, but to instruct the 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 poll workers the um the the vote counters how to work the machines and uh, so she's working there for as as you know under Dominion to help them support and uh, and in Detroit and here's here's some of what she said so she's in a deposition so remember when you're in a deposition you got a lawyer in there tape recorder a uh, court re court reporter they're taking every single word and you have to sign under the penalty of perjury that this is all true i've been in them before my attorney says hey if you don't know say i don't know if you're not sure say i'm not sure don't don't speculate and tell what you think or or you know Say what say what you know because you're going to sign under penalty of perjury. And if you say, "Well, I remembered it this way, but maybe I was wrong," don't say that. So, so she talks kind of slow, and she's thinking about her her answers very carefully. Here's the first piece of what I clipped. What I saw is numerous workers um, take when the PC would throw the error out and say ballot number 25, you know, and stop at ballot number 25 has an issue. Mm -hmm. um, instead of discarding the entire batch and restarting, they would take the bat, the ballots on top of the scanner or the tabulator and they would put them back in the whole stack, so now we have a batch of 50 again, and they would rescan them. Double counting, that would be double counting ballots. Okay. That would be double counting, but I've seen numerous times them keep doing this. 
in machines that would say, that, you know, I would walk by and the machines would have a number of ballots scanned and the number should have never went over 50. And so what numbers were you seeing on these? I was seeing around four to 500. So you're telling me that we had batches of ballots that were being counted goodness, yeah. nine, eight ten times. times. Eight, eight, eight to times. ten times. Wow. Yeah, so they got batches of 50. When they scan it and there's one bad, you know, you're doing a scanner on a copy machine. One of them's bad. It stops. Then they're supposed to push the button, discard what they did, put the bad ballot on the top, and then rescan it. And then you send that in. Um, and then you got 50 going in, 50 going in, 50 going in. There's all batches of 50s. But they're not canceling the first 24 and then they're scanning them eight or 10 times each. That's the first problem. Let's go to the next clip. My manager, I actually brought it to his attention about the ballots being ran uh, numerous times and the numbers on the PCs being too high. Oh. And I actually brought him to one of the workers that, that was having the issue. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, this is a huge, my exact words, to him, I said, the, this is a huge issue. And he said, can I talk to you for a second? And he pulled me to the side and he said, um, Melissa, I don't wanna hear that we have a huge issue, you know? And um, he said, we're here to do IT, we're not here to run their election. And of all the places, this if it, if it is in fact true, he's a co-owner, of all the places he could be on election night, he was in Detroit. Mm -hmm. You see a big problem, you tell him, and he just shuts you down. Yeah, he told me he was going to take care of it, and I watched to see if he did, and he did not. He just, he literally just walked back up to the stage where we would stand when in between um, walking around. So her supervisor, uh, some guy named Nick, and he's an engineer for Dominion, but uh, the other people were told him that he was one of the four owners of this uh, Dominion company. And he says, hey, I'll take care of it. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it later. I'll take care of it later. And then goes back. You can't take care of things later. You're counting all these ballots. And, well, you know, you're seeing somebody doing it wrong. How are you going to take care of it later? And I don't here's what I don't understand. How is it 2020 and we have these kind of hokey systems in place determining the outcomes of election? I mean, I guess I'm just old school. When I think of voting, you go on election day, not not a week before or two weeks after you go there, you put your vote in. If you can't make it, you can absentee valid. OK, that that's it. But you go there, you vote. Right. You put it in a little box and then somebody counts it. And then maybe you double check those counts just to make sure there's no, you know, minor level fraud. And then that's it. And the whole thing gets done like in a day. Why is this kind of crap happening? Why are we waiting like weeks to get results? Why do we have systems like this that are so easy to hack, to commit fraud, that this kind of crap? I don't know how we got to this point. Are, are we advanced at this point beyond this kind of crap, Ed? You would think. And uh, and one of the things I talked about last week was, um, you know, we're filing our taxes online. We're doing electronic filing. Why couldn't everybody do it online with some kind of security like the IRS has, and it goes by your social security number. Then if you don't have a social security number, you can't vote. And then if you're dead, it kicks it out. I mean, there's the social security system is, is pretty sophisticated. Why couldn't we do something like that? Or we can go to the other part is dip your finger in the ink. You get to vote once. Here's my ID. Here's who I am. 
And here's my, uh, you know, hey, you can't buy a beer without an ID. You can't buy weed without an ID. You can't get your EBT card without an ID. Here, here's my ID. Here's who I am. Here's my vote. Sign the, the ledger. Stick, stick my finger in the ink. Simple. Then we know nobody cheats. But, oh, that's ballot to ballot suppress or voter suppression. So uh, then, uh, then uh, Melissa goes on to say about what did she see on the ballots that were being scanned? Did you feel that they tended to lean one way or the other in terms of slate of candidates? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Would you like to tell us for which one? Yeah, uh, Biden. I did not see a single, not a single, not a one ballot for Trump. Not one. No, no, no Trump time. votes in all of these. The whole time I was there, I did not see a When were you there? I was there for 24 hours. On election day? Yes. So day. tell me again, you got there when, just so I make 6 sure. 6 a.m. You got there at 6 a.m. and you left Wednesday about 6 a.m.? 5.30. Okay, yeah, fair enough. All right, she also talked about uh, additional ballots coming in uh, from the outside. She said they said that the TCF TCF center had to had to feed all its employees, but uh, they only had enough uh, they only had enough food for about a third of them. So there was going to be vans coming in to bring more food, and uh, that's why. And so she that's why they were able that nobody thought it was weird that the garage doors in the back of the TCF center opened up and a van pulled in. Here's what she said about that. So you saw vans show up yeah. to the back of the TCF center. Yeah. About when did you see that? There was one on morning shift and there was one on the night shift. So which, the night shift one would have come first then, right? Tuesday night? No, the morning shift one came first. Okay, what time was that? Um, the, 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 the um, van, approximate time the van came. Yes, ma'am. Um, I would say, oh, one. I Their welcome. lunch was between one and three. Okay. So the first van came Tuesday at 1 p.m.? Approximately. Roughly, sure, sure. I'm not trying to yeah, you know, yeah. get you down to the minute and second here, just, yeah, just yeah. approximately. Yeah. And the second one would have been? I would say the second one was a... I would say the second one, which is really, really odd now that... <laughs> um, certain things keep coming to me now that you're asking me this question um it's very odd that um the second van came two hours before i got off my shift so around 3 30. around 3 30. okay would it surprise you if i were to tell you that you are far from the first person that's told me that a van showed up at 3.30 in the morning on Wednesday <laughs> with a bunch of boxes of something. No, it, it does not surprise me. Hmm, that's very interesting. Uh, oh, they're just, they're just, they're just uh, uh, saying that. that this, this stuff doesn't happen. Wait, if all these mail-in ballots had to come in, come in before eight o'clock Tuesday night, why'd it take them until 3.30? You know, because these mail ballots were coming in for two, week, two weeks or three weeks or two months in some states early why did it take them till 3 30 in the morning when they had everybody stop counting at about 2 2 33 o'clock and all of a sudden uh we turned off the counters and in come a bunch of ballots and by the morning the lead was gone i don't know if, if it looks like a duck and it smells like a duck and it quacks like a duck
It's probably a duck. Um, let me uh, play the play the last little clip on this to kind of give you the last little flavor. With nobody overseeing something like that, um, I think you know anything could happen. And I do know that everybody that was working for Dominion and that was on the stage, they were all for Biden. I I, I was the only only person that was. Not, and I did not say that either. So how many Dominion staff were there that night, staff or contractors? Um, there was a total of four. Okay. And you, you know that they were for Biden. How? Absolutely. They told me. Well, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to uh, make judgments like that. Uh, but if they tell you, I guess that closes it up. You know, Ed, I think I could accept the outcome of this election, if, if there was in fact enough dumb people uh, and ignorant people that would vote for Joe Biden, but I can't accept fraud, I just can't. And and I could be, you know, yeah, if we're, if we're bound to go the way of the Roman Empire, then so be it, but there just seems to be more of us than there are of them. And you know, I'm biased, I'll be the first to admit that, but when you look at the energy level of the support behind Trump versus the energy level behind Biden, it's not even close, man, it's not even close. And, and, you know, in terms of what this woman's saying, at the, at the end of the day, look, you have to make your case, you have to prove it, and a court has to accept your evidence, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Yep, and there's eyewitness, eyewitnesses, uh, and she's far, we had, the, we had the statement from the guy last week uh, at the postal worker at Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania, that they tried to say, oh, he recanted his story, he, the supervisor wasn't really uh, having him backdate postmarks, um, and then he went on YouTube and said, hey, let me tell you, I did not recant my, my testimony, this happened, and uh and, you know, you can bury your head in the sand and you can watch ABC and NBC and CBS and PMS, NBC and uh, CNN. And don't look at stuff on the Internet. Don't look at at uh, Epoch Times or CitizenFreePress.com or any of these other things or Breitbart. You can you can ignore all that stuff. But, you know, eyewitness is an eyewitness. And this stuff happened. And I believe it. And, you know, if you watch the video of this, you know, she looks a little intimidated and she looks a little uh, uh, nervous and you can tell she's thinking as she goes, I, this is a half hour video. I got the five minutes worth of clips out of because there's a lot of hemming and hawing and thinking and uh, let me, uh, well, and then he's, he's getting her to, to, to think about things in a different way. And, you know, I've been in depositions many times in my life and, and uh, that's how they go. That's how they go. You know, you're, you have lawyers leading you to open up. And that's where the good stuff comes out because it's not, hey, these are the questions I'm going to ask you. No, he's he's asking for things along the way. So let's talk about uh, since uh, Thursday's Thanksgiving, let's uh, let's talk about the hypocrisy in California. Well, it's probably all over the country, but the most of it in California, Gavin and Newsom had a had a little act of hypocrisy, had a little uh, uh, gather, gathering of more than 10 people at some place called the French Laundry in Napa Valley, which uh, apparently is a rich people restaurant, three hundred dollars a plate. Um, they all got together. They, uh, they, uh, they shoved down the COVID guidelines all, all year, but they got together uh, at a restaurant that says they're all outdoor. Um, they were indoors, uh, and they weren't wearing masks and they were partying and, you know, they, they say, Hey, uh, don't, uh, don't have, uh, don't have these gatherings. Don't get loud. Don't be uh, yelling or singing or all that stuff, spreading more germs. And that's exactly what they were doing. And, uh, but he did apologize for it. Let's play the apology. I made a bad mistake. Instead of sitting down, uh, I should have stood 
up and walked back, got in my car and drove back uh, to my house. Instead, I chose to sit there with my wife uh, and a number of other couples that were outside the household. And you can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted, and I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you uh, because I need to preach and practice, not just preach. Scotty. Uh, my biggest takeaway is that it's not what it's not that he thinks he's better than us and doesn't have to comply with his own rules, but he doesn't believe his own crap. Ed. This reminds me of Al Gore flying in private jets while he's going to climate change conferences. So what we need to do, I think, collectively is follow his example. And that means opening up the economy now, taking off these stupid masks, forget about social distancing and reopening the economy. The, the thing that strikes me the most is all of this stuff we've done thus far, Ed, it hasn't worked right? Uh, the masking, the social distancing, the lockdowns, we're still seeing spikes. Why do we keep doing the same dumb things, expecting some kind of different outcome? Exactly, exactly. And uh, uh, I say, hey, if Gavin Newsom, if if the cops show up uh, because I've got too many people in my house, I'm going to say, hey, with all due respect uh, to you, tell tell your tell your governor, get out of my life. And, uh, and I'm happy that Chad Bianco, uh, the word I'm hearing from uh, police people, I know Chad Bianco is not going to enforce enforce the lockdowns and uh, everybody go out, have a great Thanksgiving, uh, get into some nice political uh, political arguments with your family like you always do every every Christmas and Thanksgiving and, uh, and be thankful for what we have. Be thankful we have a president still in office who actually cares about this country and actually does stuff, whether you like him personally or you don't like him personally. Uh, we hired him to do a job and uh, we hired him to, to make America great again. And against all all uh, enemies within his own within his own government, he's succeeded in that. And uh, you think about uh, 2016. Ever since then, he's been defending that the Russians colluded, that they interfered. And while he's been defending himself for four years, the Democrats have been thinking up this way to lock us down. To so we have to have mail-in ballots so they have a uh, opportunity to cheat. Otherwise, they'd have absolutely no chance of of beating this uh, this this uh, president and still in my opinion trump still won in a landslide anyway we're all out of time for this episode of the main event scotty thanks for joining me again always a pleasure ed all right and uh you guys have a great thanksgiving thanks for listening to the main event and i'll be back again with you next week the opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of summit funding incorporated ed hoffman nmls id number 9921 california DRE ID number 1012658 arizona mlo license number 0926439 branch nmls id number 1841782 summit funding incorporated nmls id number 3199 arizona license number 0925837 equal housing opportunity